Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host, as always, Chris Flamey. And today I have the honor of welcoming Ignacio Huergo, CPA to the show. His tax planning practice based in Miami Shores, Florida, is dedicated to helping small businesses and individuals with their accounting and tax planning needs. Ignacio, thanks for being here and welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, Chris, for inviting me. And it's a pleasure. And as we were discussing, or we are about to discuss how to help business owners and their tax situation. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Inviting me and, and reaching out to me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm glad to have you. All right, so I'm sure you have some an interesting history on how you got to where you are today. So just take me kind of through briefly what led you to where you are and opening your own practice. Okay, well, first, my interest in numbers, I guess. Okay. If we go back to high school, mid-80s, I was always very good at algebra, algebra two, then in college calculus and all of that. So I always enjoyed the numbers and they made more sense to me than literature. I mean, though I do enjoy literature, a good book. Uh, the numbers always made more sense to me and came out to me easier. I could do a research paper on numbers easier than I can do a research paper on some literature topic. Okay. So you're in the right profession. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and eventually, luckily I had a good, uh, a good group of friends that from high school that were also college bound and a lot of them also studied finance or accounting or some of them became lawyers and so I was always in that group and that influenced me and sort of mentored me into going into accounting because you know if you look at it when you're in high school you might be good at math good at algebra but as a 16 year old 10th grader or 11th grader you don't really know what you're going to do with that good math that you're good at so eventually you know you go into college and people guide you into the accounting career, the accounting curriculum, and, and you start at that. Eventually, while I was in college, I started working as uh, part-time in, in corporate offices in the accounting department, you know, working on the accounting systems, general ledgers, financial statement preparation, et cetera, et cetera. And then after many years of working in the corporate world, actually at the age of 36, I'm 52 now, I'm not shy to say my age. There is no need to be shy, actually. I always feel like with age comes experience and confidence. So eventually, around the age of 36, after having worked in the corporate world for 16, 17, 18 years, you feel like going out on your own and, and being your own boss. It was really the drive of having your own independence. Uh, you reach an age where you feel like you should be managing your, your life your way. You've gained, you've learned a lot through the past experiences in the corporate world, and when you start promoting yourself independently, and that's really where the, it, from my from my experience, the biggest challenge 
for yourself to go out and, and venture off on your own is promoting yourself, getting people to see who you are. So marketing is a huge part of that. And remember, I started doing this on my own around 2003, 2004, which is when the internet started coming into the into our lives, maybe a little bit earlier, but in 2004, you know, I created my own domain, www.cpa-mba.us, and little by little, we started advertising on Google, et cetera, just word of mouth, friends, uh, acquaintances from the neighborhood, advertising in local little newspapers, or for example, I live in Miami Shores, which is a nice little community, a village here in between downtown Miami and Aventura. And you start advertising in their local uh, publications and little by little, you start getting a name in the neighborhood and, and venturing up. So that, that's where I'm at right now. Happy with my small business. I am a small business set up as an, a Florida limited liability company with S corporation status. Yeah. And I'm the sole owner and I work independently. No employees except for myself. as an employee. Okay. All right. So that, what some of the things you said there? One, it's funny to me where you came to the realization that you wanted to go into accounting kind of an early age. Um, I know a lot of 25 and 30 year olds that still haven't figured out what they're going to do. Uh, right. So yeah. that was good that you did that. Now, if you could go back in time and, and tell that person, you know, when you started your business, if you could give them some advice, what do you think you would tell them? Knowing I, what you know I, now. As I told you, remember, I started on my own really at the age of 36, maybe yeah. like few years before 33, 34, I was starting to look into it, but it wasn't until around 36 that I had enough clients built up that I can let go of my W-2 employee full-time job and, okay. and, and let go of all that and start and depend financially on my, on my own practice. So what I would have, what, what I wish, and I still, sometimes it still comes through my mind is like, why did I start at 36? Why didn't I start doing this at 24, 25, 26, which I could have 10 years earlier. But, you know, I think at the end, those 16 years of experience in the corporate world gave me the experience to go out and be confident to be able to do it on my own. If I was able to do this for big companies like Cartier International or Louis Vuitton or Burger King Corporation, I worked in those companies as an employee. Those are a lot larger corporations or entities than clients I service now. Most of the clients I service now are small, you know, typical mom and pop size, husband and wife or partner, two partners, one part, one owner only kind of companies, which are a lot smaller to manage than a big corporation. Of course, when you're working for a big corporation, you've got a team of other accountants where you're, you're all combining and communicating in a team environment. Here I handle myself alone. I handle the entire scope of a client's accounting and tax. Yeah, the soup to nuts. Okay, so then- I don't do payroll though. I I I, I want to inform. I do not do payroll. That's too tedious. That's where but you draw the line. Yeah, because you know I don't <laughs> calling my client. How many hours did John work this week? Yeah, I get that. I but totally get there, that. There are great payroll companies out yeah. there that provide the service, and then I. I retrieve yeah. the reports and, and account for the payroll accordingly. I think that's where I draw the line too. So in making that switch from working with big corporations to smaller scale, what do you think you like best about your business right now or the area that you get the most enjoyment out of? 
two things. First of all, I like helping clients. I like people calling me and asking me for help. And I really enjoy telling them, look, oh, you're going to start a new business. That's great. I always like to um, encourage them to do so. Whatever their idea is, maybe it's an, maybe it's something that I have like no knowledge of. Like a lot of the young generation loves to do work on the online, creating apps, yeah. etc. And I have clients that work in that technology. To me, that's all, I don't understand how they do it. They have the smarts for it. Me, I, I know how to, you, you just saw, I had a hard time putting on the, upgrading the Zoom itself. Point is, I'm not, I'm not so savvy when it comes to computers, except for the basics of what I need to use, the QuickBooks, the tax softwares, et cetera, very proficient in all that. But these young kids are really on top of the technology world. So then I, again, I get all sorts of clients, but I like encouraging them to take that step forward to creating their own company. I do company formations and then also to guide them as, you know, my main assistance to them is once you set up the company is to keep your records in order. I do accounting, but, you know, open up your small business bank account, go to your favorite bank and segregate your personal expenditures from your business and keep them separate. And then, you know, I organize, help them organize so that at the end of the year or at the end of the quarter, you can compile all the information, start working on financial statements, and then have the information ready for tax season. So I like to help them understand the importance of being organized when you're a business owner. You bring up a good point there. What's the consequence of them commingling or not having those things clear and separate? Like what problems do, do they run into if they don't do that? Okay. First of all, the IRS, and I've read it somewhere, I can't remember where, they don't like it. The IRS looks sure. at it negatively. You can say, where does it say that? On what rule? I, I don't know, but I've read it many times. And so I always, you know, I have to give my clients best practices advice also. Don't commingle, don't mix it up. Honestly, as I told you, I'm 52 years old. I've been doing this for like 20 plus years. I have never had an issue where the IRS gives anyone trouble because they use their personal account with for their business or vice versa. But first of all, as an accountant, if I'm working on your financials, I like to have it all organized. It makes more things more simplified. For example, if you're my client and I tell you, okay, Chris, send me your 2021 bank statements of the business. You're going to send me your 12 months of bank statements, whether it's a PDF file or the QuickBooks file that you can download from the online banking. And then you're going to, and then I'm going to ask you, did you run all of your business transactions through this bank account? And the ideal thing I want to hear is, yes, I did everything yeah. and only on this bank account. But that's yeah. true. That doesn't happen. Sometimes they say, well, we, I use my wife's personal account or I used my own account at one time because I left because of this or that reason. I'm like, okay, well, then you need to go through your personal account. I don't want to go through it because I'm going to have to weed out specifically what is business when 85% of it is probably personal. So it's like, get me on an Excel file, all your personal expense, all your business expenses that you utilized on your personal bank account. So that gets more tedious and more, you know, the less source documents you have to work with, the less, the less complicated the accounting is. But to be honest with you, what your direct question is, what problems have I ever seen? Just messy accounting on their part. And then I have to go through and organize it. I have never seen the IRS question any of that or never come across that kind of an audit. Usually there, we can talk about audits later and all that, but 
But I don't want clients to get too comfortable as in like, oh, they never check. IRS never checks that. They can check it. And then that would be, you don't want that. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that you, you mentioned that you help people with business formations, right? Yes. And creating the entities. Yes. So Florida. I'm, I didn't prepare this question, but I'm just curious. Have you ever had someone pitch you an idea of a business that they want to form? And you thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No. Like this idea is awful. I should really not, I should really encourage them not to do this. No, honestly, no, I don't. Okay. Every, every, every business is a legitimate business. I mean, I have acupuncturists, yoga teachers, karate teachers, dentists. You can't say no to any of those. Um, right, right. But I'm talking maybe something, something far-fetched that was like out of no, like honest, weird. Honestly, no. I mean, okay. Maybe, you know, what, one interesting thing, and if you don't want to put this in the podcast, you don't have to. One interesting thing during the COVID period, a lot of new people started new businesses. Yeah. Maybe it was because they were temporarily on furlong mm-hmm. from their employer. And then a lot of people started creating businesses with Instagram viewership, maybe other online viewership, like OnlyFans. I'm sure you've heard of that. And so I remember getting a new client calling me and saying, are you okay with accepting clients, new clients that need company formations that are going to be on explicit online content? I'm like, you know, at the end, doing accounting and taxes, it's about showing the IRS what the net income is that's going to be taxable. So irrelevant of what the industry is, I can help you with your accounting and your taxes. So yeah, you're agnostic from that standpoint. Right. But no, okay. no, no, that, that would be like the weirdest industry that I, I, yeah. I saw, but it's not, it's legitimate. So there's yeah. nothing awkward about it. So what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about what you do? I think, and I run into this, that they think, I always say, I'm not Merlin the magician. <laughs> I, do, I do accounting and I do taxes. I have people call me for law services, for law, legal service. I'm like, I'm not a lawyer. Oh, but my uncle said accountant, talk to your accountant about that. I'm like, no, talk to your lawyer about that. Once you set that up, like the state, setting up estates and all that, I don't do that. That's more of a legal implication. Now I do do the tax returns for an estate or a trust because they have to file annual tax returns just like companies do or just like individuals do. So in that case, I refer them to a lawyer. I have, to, you know, I know big people that can help in that situation. Yeah, not sure. So when, absolutely, yeah. When you're and when you're dealing with small businesses specifically, what do you think their common blind spots are? What is it that they overlook or they're not seeing um, because they just don't have the experience or they don't know? Okay, one thing that many small business owners, new small business owners are uninformed of if they went from an employee and now they're starting their own business, they don't realize that on the net income of their new business, they have to pay income tax and the famous 15.3% social security Medicare tax, which honestly freaks them out in a bit when they realize I have to pay that also, but I used to get it deducted from my paycheck. I'm like, as your as owner of your own company now, you're responsible for that. Of course, as you might be familiar, there's ways to minimize that social security tax through forming an S corporation, et cetera, where you assign specific specific salary on the global net income of the business. So you don't pay social security 
Medicare tax on the entire income. But a lot of people run into that problem and they're a little, they become a little hesitant to being their own owner. And they're like, well, then should I stay? And should I still keep my old job? And just to, as an employee, I'm like, you have to look at it beyond taxes. Sort of what, what I was telling you, if you're your own business owner, you have the freedom to work at your pace. It requires a lot of responsibility that maybe as an employee it doesn't, but you're in charge of your own responsibility. It's, I almost tell people, don't let that intimidate you. You know, when I first wanted to buy my home, this home, this home that I'm in right now, when you're 25, or I was like 28 when I bought this house. People tell you, oh, but you know, be careful buying a home because the plumbing might be off or this or that, the roof might be leaky. And they try to scare you off from buying a home. But no, once you actually move into the home, you, you, you take care of the issues that you need to resolve the home. On a step-by-step basis, it's the same thing with owning a business. Be responsible, you know, it'll come through. And if you're profitable, sure, you have to pay your taxes, but still the benefits of making income on your own, in my opinion, and the freedom you get from it is yeah. is, is priceless for me. All. Right. Yeah, there's a value in that, and it's worth right. the cost. Absolutely. A human value. We won't talk yes. about, you know, a human value. Yeah, work-life balance or whatever you want to call it or having control and the freedom. Okay, so without sharing any like personal client details, can you think of a, a, a satisfying client experience that you had recently? Some problems they were facing, how you helped them fix that and come through? Yeah, that happens quite often where someone, maybe a, a client before they call me, a new client had issues with the IRS um, resolving where they had back taxes or... Mm. Uh, for example, uh, recently a, a client of mine did not include a new client of mine. There. I could go back and amend prior tax returns that they did not do with me, where they didn't include, and this is very, I don't want to say ignorant, but you know, when you follow your personal tax return, you have to make sure you're including all your tax forms, including the 1099B from the investments. Yep. So what happens is if you don't report your 1099Bs, and unfortunately, sometimes clients say, oh, but I barely had any activity going on in there. Well, even if you have $20,000 that you sold and you're not reporting it, the IRS gets that 1099B from whatever financial institution you're, you're invested in. And the IRS will see that you sold $20,000. And now you're going to get a letter from the IRS, assuming you didn't report that because you thought it was insignificant or because your accountant, your prior accountant didn't ask you for it. Now you get a letter from the IRS three, four, five months down the road saying you didn't report $20,000 of income and, and they start freaking out. Oh, but that's how can that be? Uh, because I really didn't make $20,000 on that investment. I, the cost was $18,000. Well, that's why you have to include that so that your net gain is $2,000, but the IRS only sees the sale proceeds. So they think the basis is zero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You go back to correct it, amend it. It takes a long time. IRS is taking a long time or whatever. Six months down the road, they're like, oh, great. The IRS said I don't owe them anything anymore. So they're happy about that. Or another case is recently, um, I have small business clients that don't want, don't ask me to do their accounting until either the end of the year or until they need it because they are trying to buy a home yeah. and the bank requires updated financial statement compilations. So this happened just recently in, in November, where a client that only pops up at the end of the year to do the accounting and the tax returns, like, "Oh, Ignacio, I need you. I need you urgently to do my financial statements." Okay, let's do let's do January through October thirty first. Let's do a catch up. 
And I worked on it, sent him the PDF file of the financials, and he applied. He sent it to the bank, and he got his loan. And he was very happy. He's like, oh, the bank was so happy with those financials. It, it approved me for the loan that I was looking for, et cetera. And I always remind the client, that's great. I'm very happy to hear that. But remember, we're not just doing the financial statements because your bank required them. We need to do those financials for the tax return itself from March 15th, March 15th being the S-Corporation tax deadline. Yeah. So that's one thing I run into. A lot of times clients don't care about their accounting until it comes down to the line where they need it because they I know. have another objective to get a room for a house. Yeah. Or, to get, or because they're renting a place and the and the renter board wants to see what their income is. Yeah, their their lack of planning becomes your emergency. Yes, and I'm sure you don't see that also because they don't care about putting, at least my clients, they don't think about retirement planning until they see that tax bill that's large. And they're like, oh, Ignacio, what else can I do to reduce it? Set up a set plan before year end or traditional IRAs or, you know, about that. Yeah. Right? So that's what sure. we specialize in. Yeah, perfect. So, Let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious what you would say your biggest life accomplishment is so far. Could be professionally or personally or both. Professionally, it's being where I'm at, being my own business owner, helping out the community. I mean, helping out for a fee, of course. People, you know, when you say helping out, you mean providing the service with a smile and um, neighborhood CPA. That's me. I'm like the neighborhood CPA. And I'm happy in life. I'm at a stage where, you know, I'm single. So I've been married before, but that's all. I'm at a peaceful stage in my life where I'm, I sort of feel like I'm coasting. I have everything in order. I have a beautiful home. I live in Miami. That doesn't mean that to me, Miami is the best city in the world. No, it's not. You know, everyone that lives in Miami that recently got here is like, oh, Miami is the best place in the world. To me, I, I was born in Maryland. I like Maryland. I like the mountains. Yeah. But Miami is beautiful. And I'm happy here. And I've got my clientele. I have my house, a beautiful house with a swimming pool. So that's my accomplishment is that I'm at 52. I'm in a stable place without any big worries. Yeah. And I've and got I can- a partner, a good female, you know, a good girlfriend that I'm happy with. So life feels good. My family lives in West Palm. My mom, my brothers, my, my sister. I go see them every so often. And I can I can tell by your answer there that you're in a really good place. So thank thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Is there is there anything outside of your practice that you are really passionate about personally? Could be a cause. It could be a hobby. It could be an interest. Um, anything that outside of your out of your outside your business you really enjoy. I love nature, and it's not that I create. I, I donate to any cause. I am just the kind of person that I like nature. I like animals. I like if I see trash, I will pick it up and put it in the garbage, just because I like to see the environment being clean and nature. Like, for example, I live in Miami Shores, which is a nice neighborhood with a lot of trees. We we have raccoons and foxes here, by the way. Oh, wow. So I enjoy all that. And and I have a Harley-Davidson uh, trike motorcycle, a three-wheel motorcycle. So I like to t- just get on that with my girlfriend and just cruise. We went to St. Augustine two weekends ago, which is like a five-hour. Wow. Uh, up by 95. I don't know if you know St. Augustine, beautiful old historic town. So I like touring a lot on the motorcycle. I like being out. And it's really about connecting with nature. When you're actually riding a motorcycle, you're connecting with nature. It's not just because you like the sound of the, of the motor. 
I like the view of the outdoors more. You feel it when you're riding, sort of. Yeah, and it's it's different than a car because you're exposed. Yeah, because you got the you've got the the windows raised up and the, the radio on. And, but yeah, other than that, I like the ocean. Of course, being in Miami, but that's a summertime thing, you know. Yeah. Right. Not this time of year. So well, you can, but the Canadians come down and they jump in the ocean this time. For me, it's a little, yeah. it's a little cold in December. Yeah. And crowded. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. let's switch back to your business. What would you say your biggest opportunity is right now in your big, in your business? So something that you're most excited about, not really what you do for the clients, but like the direction that it's hit, it's heading, or maybe uh, an opportunity that you've identified um, in terms of, of growing your business or making it um, making it better than what it is now? Yes. Well, first of all, I believe in that old saying. I believe there was some financial firm that used to say it. I grow yeah. one client at a time. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. It was an old man. Yeah, I remember that too. And I can't think of who it was. Like in the eight, that was in the 80s. Yeah. Like right. And I still remember that. But I like that saying. I, I grow one client at a time. I don't believe in... Uh, expanding overnight from a small business to a huge business. I like maintaining my practice at the neighborhood CPA level. I'm not looking to be the next H&R block. I don't want that. I don't care for that. But when more directly with respect to your question is, my main core of business is tax preparation for business and for personal. And then accounting, also preparing financial statements. I use QuickBooks software, which is great. I'm not here to promote QuickBooks, but that's what I use. But the next thing that I've been getting into a lot lately is tax planning. I discovered this tax software that really emphasizes on tax planning, which I've always given that advice on a very, I'm not going to say superficial level, but not in-depth level to my clients. So client asks, hey, Ignacio, okay, we've got my balance sheet, my profit and loss. This is my net income. This is my W-2 wage. What can I do more to save uh, on taxes? Uh, this is probably something you're very familiar with in your industry. And of course, retirement planning is one of the major tools to reduce your tax bill, your income tax bill. So I've started to provide service more in-depth of getting into that, of actually working the numbers. I'm still at the, you know, the fishing where I throw the bait in, I'm waiting to, to grow that side of the business. As I told you, 70% is tax preparation. The other 30% is accounting, financial statements. So I'm excited to see where that goes on the tax plan, more in-depth of it, not just telling a client, put money into a traditional IRA or you know about all that. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, Ignacio, what what would you describe as your biggest challenge in your business or maybe an obstacle that you need to overcome? I think it's convincing clients of how important it is that if they want to save on taxes, they have to put their foot in in it as well. It's not just a magic wand that I, the accountant, says, do this and boom, you're going to save taxes. They need to get involved. If they want to put into retirement, they have to put that money into retirement, which is a, sometimes it's hard for them. They're like, no, but I want to enjoy my money today. Well, then there is no magic formula for you to save on taxes. Apart from all the deductions we've already gone through, you know, I don't see there is a magic formula if you don't put into retirements or into a set plan or et cetera. Uh, And that to me is the hardest thing, trying to convince the client that if you want to save taxes today, it's really 
sacrificing something today for a benefit in the future. And as you know, 59 and a half years of age is like the, the year when you can start. Yeah. And that's a long ways away for some people. For they can't people, see they that want, far out. Yeah. They don't want to see that far out. They're 32, yeah. whatever, and they want to enjoy it now. And they're like, well, yeah. then, you know, it's, it's. And we already, we already have a problem in our culture with delayed gratification, right? Yeah. Everybody wants everything right now. That's yeah. And that's probably, that, that's probably one of the hardest things convincing clients of. I mean, with respect to me, my business runs smooth. It's trying to, I don't know if convincing is the right word. But trying to make the client understand yeah. what we just discussed. You want to you want to pay less tax. You got to take these steps today. Yeah. I and think automate automation has provided some incentive where if they automate it, not like the saving part, if they automate it, that can sometimes help. But if the amount that they might be able to put aside changes from year to year and they they put it all in, you know, towards the end or filing deadline, then the automation stuff might not be as much of a motivator. Okay. Right. They discipline themselves to do that. Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm curious if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, normally through telephone is I always answer my phone unless it's a Sunday or something. Okay. Telephone 305-978-7813. I'm also on Facebook, the tax firm LLC, Ignacio Werder CPA. And what was your website again? www.cpa-mba.us. CPA is in Certified Public Accountant. MBA is in Master's Business Administration. Okay, great. Ignacio, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a true pleasure to interview you. You've been an insightful guest, lots of good information for our listeners and people who watch. We've been here with Ignacio Huergo, CPA. Thank you all for listening and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are raising the retirement confidence of everyday people and business owners one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, watching, or listening. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Take care. Be well. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.